the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're looking at Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Would you stand while we read the Word of God? Paul is writing, he says, For this reason I left you behind in Crete, so that you would set right what remains unfinished and appoint elders in every city as I directed you, namely a man of unquestionable integrity, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of being immoral or rebellious. For the overseer, as God's steward, must be blameless, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not violent, not greedy for dishonest gain, but financially ethical. And he must be hospitable to believers as well as strangers, a lover of what is good, sensible, upright, fair, devout, self-disciplined, above reproach, whether in public or in private. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy word of God as it was taught to him so that he will be able to give accurate instruction in sound, reliable, error-free doctrine and to refute those who contradict it by explaining their error. God bless the reading of his word. Now what you have here is Paul giving the qualifications for eldership to Titus so that Titus may appoint elders for all the churches in Crete. And these elders would be about guarding the souls of their attendees through the example of their living and the administration of the word of God. And again, I remind you that these are evidences. They are evidences of the work of the Spirit. They're not human virtue or religious discipline and piety. They're evidences of the work of the Spirit. Let's look at verse 5. He says, For this reason I left you behind in Creek, so that you would set right what remains unfinished, and appoint elders in every city as I have directed you. Now, verse 5 seems very self-explanatory, but Paul is making it clear why he left Titus in Crete, and there was a lot to set right due to the numbers of Cretans who were drawn back into the excesses of their society and the seduction of the false teachers. Now think about it. Many of them were pagan by birth, pagan by culture, 
pagan in just about every way. It's kind of like when we looked at the Corinthians and their society was pagan. So little by little, you could see how easy it might be for them to be drawn into living a carnal lifestyle. Initially, they put all their focus upon the Lord as they received him as life or savior. And then in time, it's almost like the tide going in and out and and that undertow that pulls just a little at a time. The enemy doesn't come up and hit you in the head and drag you into sin, does he? It starts with a little thought here and there, a little compromise here and there, things that you could go to sleep with, subtle things. And if you're not walking in truth, if you're not applying truth in your daily walk, if you are not if you are not communing with him, here's there's two things that will contrast darkness as far as light being in your life. First, scripture contrasts the darkness. That's why most people will avoid it. And then second, walking with him, not man's perception of him, but the truth of him, his person in you. Recognizing his love for you. Recognize, you remember what we just talked about. You are good to me. Now, how many sins did that dispel? Bitterness, anger, selfishness, envy. All of those things are dispelled in that one simple statement. Lord, you are good to me. In other words, the good of my life has come from your hands. Right? But if I don't embrace that and I do not rehearse it over my soul, don't kid yourself. Because the world is rehearsing the lie continuously. As I've said before, it's like music in the background, constantly playing. And you receive it in so many different ways. And this is why God says, I want you to walk with me. I want you to be intimate with me. I want to have fellowship with you. Not just when you perceive we're in fellowship, but literally in your day-to-day, moment-by-moment, effort to live in a normal way, recognizing that I am with you. Because here's the thing. When I've been caught off guard and when I have fallen away from truth, it's not been when I was in prayer. It's not been when I was studying the Word of God. It's not even when I was praising God on the radio with the radio on. It's not in any of those things. It's typically when I have perceived some action or activity of somebody else, when I've made judgments about other people, or when I've looked at myself. And that's where it really gets in. Because we can either have a preoccupation with his presence or a preoccupation with our flesh. Right? And the more preoccupied we are with ourselves, the deeper and the darker your life becomes. The more excuses and more subtle you be, the drift becomes in your life. Well, these Cretans were drifting back into society. And the false teachers weren't helping. And guys, that wasn't just somebody coming along preaching something that was totally different than what Paul taught. What the enemy does is he takes truth and he just twists it just a little bit. He moves it off center. 
He makes it man-centered. You know, the Lord loves you, but you need to show him how much you love him. And you need to try hard to do things for other people. You know what that is? That's about you, not about the Spirit of God. That's man-centered. In fact, it is just a candied version of legalism. You want God to really love you, don't you? Is what's suggested here is that God's going to separate himself from you. He's not going to have fellowship with you unless you can prove you love him. Well, how capable are you of doing that? And if you could do it once, how consistent could you do it? How about this? How about the very being that God created at the center of you, who you are, is in love with Him, in union with Him. And the love that He has bestowed and cast abroad in your heart is His. It is His love. It is the unconditional love of God. It's based on the character and person of God. And we can and do, by virtue of who we are in Christ, return it back to Him. Can you do any better in your flesh? What can you do that will prove that any better than offering back to him the love as he defines love? So these preachers would get up there and they would just make subtle changes. Or perhaps they would teach away from the truth. I can get up here and give give you a nice story about people helping people. I can warm your hearts with the story of little Timmy who gave the extra puppy to the guy and that kid next door who wanted it so badly. And we could all wipe our eyes and talk about how wonderful and sweet that was. It's not the Word of God. But we tend to like the Reader's Digest version. Well, those Cretans were being drawn away in two different directions. Paul was evidently unable to stay with them as long as he would like. And I, I understand that. I think probably... He would have liked to just stay with them the whole time. <laughs> he would like, he would have liked to be able to disciple the whole time. Because, you know, Paul is a thinker and Paul wants to correct every crooked frame in the room. Right? He wants to make sure every nail is driven completely home. And you can identify with that, but God used that. God used that. But Paul wasn't able to stay there as long as he'd like. So he had to move on and They apparently didn't have qualified leadership. And what they had neglected, they had neglected the truth for myths and philosophies. And to add to the mix, there were Judaizers among them. Those that would seek to mix law and grace. And Paul tells Titus to appoint elders in every city as he had previously directed. And what we can derive from that is that this letter is not... Titus sitting around waiting to know what to do. This letter is Paul's letter of authority to Titus. It was an apostolic authorization. It was a bona fides of who he represented. So that Titus could go to all the churches. Now I want you to understand that when Paul came into Crete, there were churches already established. But they were established on what they could pull from the apostles and from the teachings back in Jerusalem. Listen, we're one of the most fortunate nations there is because Bibles are readily available. And that's good. And I'm not going to tell you that the reason the Cretans fell away is because the Gideons had not yet arrived. But I will tell you that the reason the Cretans pulled away is the same way that the faithful, hardworking, religious church of Ephesus pulled away. 
Because their religion became man-centered. Their approach to God became man-centered. It became all about what could be given to their flesh. All about what their flesh could do for, for God. It became all about the liberty of the flesh. Those are the areas where they got hit. So they were weak churches. And apparently they didn't have any strength of leadership. So Paul tells Titus, go down there and appoint elders in the city. And an elder is really uh, an overseer. It's the Greek word episkopos. And the title is to describe elders, pastors, and overseers. Pastor is an English word from the Latin, which means herdsman, which emphasizes shepherding and feeding. It entails oversight, protecting, leading, guiding, and feeding. All of those are applicable to those who bear any of these titles, and they should be equally called and equally qualified. Now, I will tell you that the designation of elder has become far too flippant and gratuitous. Far too flippant and gratuitous. Men are appointed with very little qualifying to be ministerial delegates in order to kind of spread the work around. That is not an elder. An elder is equally qualified to stand in the pulpit and exhort the word of God. He is equally qualified to stand in the character of Christ and to be a witness and to be an example to the people about them. An elder is a man of God. He is called of God. He should be able to preach. He should be able to teach. That's an elder. He should be able to lead the people of God. But I can tell you that a lot of churches have elders that could not preach a lick and don't know the word of God that well. They're good people, but they shouldn't be elders. Now, Our governance is a little different because we're not a church with a ministry. We're a ministry with a church. And we have a board. And in that board, there is a group of men, all of which I'm comfortable with allowing them to preach from my pulpit. That is currently our elder board. There's a lot of things that we don't have in place because we're small. One of the things I was thinking about this weekend is that, you know, as we... You know, just dice all this up. Well, you know, where, where are the elders? Where are the deacons? That's another one that is so distorted in today's church. When I grew up, deacon meant power. Meant somebody of authority in the church. That's not even what the word means. It's literally a form of doulos, which is a slave, a servant. A deacon, which is, which is a Greek word that talks about servanthood is someone who literally, if you look at the word picture, somebody who waits on tables. <laughs> that's not, that's what we have in a lot of churches are not deacons. But in this little fellowship, we've got a lot of deacons. We've got a lot of deacons. I won't name names, but we got people that'll go spend weeks at a hospital caring for somebody who's dying. I won't name names, but we got people who go to the jails and minister among the prisoners. We got people who literally give of themselves on a daily basis. We got people who who are tending the needy. Not because I enacted a program or put out a call from the pulpit, but that's the heart of these people. They're deacons. 
Not that they were representing his life fellowship. They're representing someone greater, and that's Jesus. And you know what? It wasn't because we formed all that up. It was because we formed a church in obedience to the will of God, and he called the people to it, and it's very simple. Our program is Jesus and Jesus only. He crafts and moves the hearts of the people in here. If you're here, God called you here. All right, number six. Namely, a man of unquestionable integrity, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of being immoral or rebellious. Now, the Amplified translates this unquestionable integrity, which means above reproach or accusation. And you remember that Crete was full of rebellious men and those who had a reputation for dishonesty and immorality. And Paul wants shepherds that will lead as they are led by God. That's what he wants. Men of God, devout and above accusation. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be accusation. We know that the accusers never idle. And if you're not hearing the accusations from people around you, I know you're hearing it from him in your ear. It's constant. But what he's saying there is that there is no basis for accusation. It's one thing to be accused. It's another thing to be accused truthfully. Okay? The husband of one wife, which has been really beat up in the uh, church... Spurgeon wrote about this. He said, there were many converts who had two or three wives. Whatever position they might be permitted to occupy in the church, they could not become officers. An elder must not be a polygamist. It is possible also for a husband to be married, but not be a one-woman man, right? Those who indulge in sexual desires for other women who are impure in their thoughts and in their activities. They're not one woman, man. Having children who believe, not accused of being immoral or rebellious. Now, this is like the word Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3. He wrote in verse 4 and 5, he says, speaking of the elder, he must manage his own household, well keeping his children under control with all dignity, keeping them respectful and well behaved. And that's added by the Amplified. For if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Well, now we all know godly parents who had rebellious children who were difficult to manage. I I know two of them right there. Okay. We all know that. The question is not whether or not those children receive the nurture and discipline of those parents, but whether or not the nurture and discipline of those parents was given. Did that make sense to you? Okay, some of you look lost. In other words, it's not about whether or not they obeyed, but whether or not obedience was insisted on. And I can tell you it was. Both my history and my backside can attest to it. The truth of it is that parents are to nurture and guide their children and discipline their children in truth. That is to the parent. It's not to the church. It's not to the school. It's not to the government. You are the first stop in nurture and discipline because you are the parent. Many parents 
have put their hope in Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, I memorized that when I was little. I didn't believe it. But there are a couple things I want to point out about that. First, the training, again, is the parent's job. Second, if you're going to accurately interpret the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, you must remember that a proverb is not a promise. Did you hear me? A proverb is not a promise, but it is stating what is generally true. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we know that that didn't pan out for everybody, did it? The responsibility of a parent is to teach them in truth, to guard them with the nurture of truth, to discipline them in love. These are the things that a parent must be obedient in. A parent is not responsible for the receptivity of that child. They're just as responsible to enforce the truth in their lives to the degree they're able. Let's look at verse 7. For the overseer, as God's steward, must be blameless, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not violent, not greedy or for dishonest gain, but financially ethical. And again, the overseer is what he's talking about. The episkopos must be above accusation. This time Paul adds must, which is a command. He's telling Titus and he's telling those people who would come to Titus, say, oh, I want to be an elder, I want to be an elder. No. You must, must be beyond accusation, above reproach. Now, I know this could be a little dull, so you guys try to listen to the word as we go here. Paul is concerned about the witness of the leadership of the churches in Crete. And episkopos was the word used by Greeks to describe the pagan gods who were supposedly watching over the worshipers. In Athens, the episkopoi was... The magistrate. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says, Obey the spiritual leaders and submit to them, according, uh, recognizing their authority over you, for they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give an account of their stewardship for you. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, for this would be of no benefit to you. Now, I will say that I don't get a lot of grief from you guys. (laughs) You guys are a pleasure. But I want to tell you something. What he's talking about when he says, watching over your souls, I don't need to watch over your spirit. Your spirit's in union with Christ. I don't think you could get any closer supervision than that. And in fact... He's holding you in truth because you're made of truth. The branch is made of what the vine is made of. It's connection with its life. But the soul, the soul is constantly receiving from every source. And we can, by default, we can give ourselves over to the undertow of this world, to the things that would draw our attention away. And suddenly, money becomes all important. Suddenly, romance becomes all important. Suddenly, the marriage becomes all important. Or the children become all important. And all of these things begin to take precedent over your relationship with God. And you would say to me, well, how am I supposed to have time for 
my relationship with God. And I would say to you, your relationship with God is more important. How can you be a parent apart from God? How can you be a wife apart from God? How can you be everything that God has called you to apart from Him? Because apart from Him, you can do what? That's right. So, a pastor keeps watch over the souls. And what that means is, as you see people that are gravitating towards the world, they're gravitating away from truth. A pastor's bringing truth to them consistently. And I pray that every time me or anyone else approaches a pulpit in front of you guys, that they're speaking the truth of God, that they're talking through the word of God. And whether you find it interesting or you don't find it interesting, this book is supernaturally nurture for your soul. It will guard your soul. Again, this is not the activity of our humanity. This is the ministry and discernment of the Spirit. In order to truly shepherd, you must walk with the true shepherd. If you're walking according to the flesh, you can only shepherd according to the flesh. Not self-willed. This is being continually and consistently preoccupied with self. That's what that is. This describes a person who's self-indulgent. Self is his context. All other concerns and interests are secondary. And you meet people like that. They're going to tell you about themselves, and they're not going to hear anything about you. Now, if you're offended by that, you've got a problem. But the reality of it is that people become so transfixed on getting their will done in your life that they will employ all manner of manipulation. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.